Hey everybody, back again with the GNN Sports Podcast, and uh, today's a real special edition for me, um, just because, you know, you don't really get opportunities like these, um, they really don't come too often, and, um, you know, I just think it's, you know, one of the coolest things ever, being able to interview my, a family member of mine, you know, someone I'm really close with, and, you know, someone that I really have a lot of love and appreciation and respect for, so joining us today, um, the head coach of the Roy Hart Rams, uh, Marcus White. So, Marcus, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Man. Yep. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So, you know, just first off, just, let's just talk a little bit about your football journey, um, okay. where football's taken you, how you really got involved with the game um, to really lead into where you are today. Okay. Uh, well, I started playing football when I was real young, obviously, like any other kid. Um, when I really started understanding football, I played for uh, in Niagara Falls for the mm-hmm. little junior cataracts. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember playing uh, on kick return. I was on the front line. Mm-hmm. I remember I got hit and I fell, and I was like, "Man, this is what football's about." <laughs> and then after that, I just took off from there, uh, playing from Niagara Falls to uh, Lockport, mm-hmm. uh, where I stay now. I mean, I played several years for Lockport, and I was on the '99 um, Lockport Raiders at the time, and uh, we went undefeated. Oh, it was wow. um, I played with greats, uh, Jeremy Brown. Jamal Fuellen, C.J. Lee, Jeremiah Richardson, Darren Stone, Mark Hanley, uh, Ron Schmidt. I mean, James Fagel. I mean, we were stacked. Yeah. We were stacked. I mean, all those individuals that I named all went on their careers and did tremendous things in their own lifestyle of football. Um, that was just Lil Loop in 99. Like I said, we went undefeated. So I'm like, wow, that's what football is just growing from there. Then um, I remember 2000. 2000 um, North Park Middle School had a modified. They started mm-hmm. doing modified football at the time for okay. North Park and Lockport and mm-hmm. uh, Emmett Belknap. Okay. And at the time, I wanted to play for Emmett because mm-hmm. that's where all my friends was at Emmett. But mm-hmm. I lived in uh, North Park District, so I had to play for North Park. And I was number 20. Uh, Trey Smith and uh, Miles Patterson were my coaches at the time. And uh, I was playing running back and uh, linebacker for them. Mm-hmm. And I probably regret this the most is I remember one time I came back from an injury, mm-hmm. a shoulder. I had a shoulder injury, mm-hmm. and we were going through practice, and we had to end up running for somebody. I forgot who the teammate was, but they were doing something messing around, mm-hmm. and we had to run. And I remember telling Trey that I'm not running. Like <laughs> I didn't, I, I wasn't running. Like I just came from injury. Right. I'm not running for something I didn't do. Right, I didn't do that. But I didn't understand the the the, the story or or the knowledge that he was trying to put on me right. is that we're a family. You, if somebody messes up, mm-hmm. whether we're in a game or out of a game, mm-hmm. I'm still around them. Right, so you're right. getting affected in some way. Right. I didn't understand that at that time. I mean, I was that guy. I was a running back. Yeah. I was a linebacker. So I'm like, yo, I'm not running. I just came from. So I ended up saying, I'm not playing for y'all. Mm-hmm. So I, I sat on the swings while they finished practice. Mm-hmm. And that came back to bite me because I didn't get to play in the um, final game. Uh, they actually kicked me off the team because mm-hmm. I wasn't being a team player. Right. I mean, I was being very selfish. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, I tell that story to kids that want to quit mm-hmm. or just feel like they don't need to run for somebody else's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that goes a long ways in life in general that whoever you're around or whoever you associate with, mm-hmm. at some point you're affected in some way. Right. Um, then from there... Um, I didn't play high school football. I was wrestling at the time for um, Star Point. Mm-hmm. I was wrestling. I didn't play on um, football. 
then I was still like a fighter, so I was fighting in school, so I never got to play actual high school football. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the time I was going to go play for the high school, um, Pat Burke, which was the athletic director, he uh, came to my house and told my mom, I won't let Marcus play football. Mm-hmm. He quit on my coaches in North Park, and he's still fighting in school, so right. we're not going to grant him the opportunity to play at high school. Right. So from there on, I said, okay, not playing football, whatever it is, what it is. Um, then I ended up dropping out of school and all that stuff because I was like, okay, I'm not playing sports. Mm. The teachers, I felt like, were just trying to do everything in their power to keep me from doing any sport at right. that time. Now, I couldn't wrestle no more or nothing, so, so I just dropped out and said, whatever it is, what it is. Mm-hmm. Then um, I remember years down, it was like 2005, 2005, and uh, my buddy Jeremy Brown mm-hmm. Was uh, like, hey, you should come play semi-pro. Now, again, I've been out of football for maybe six years, six years maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, I don't know, man. You talking about semi-pro? I'm thinking of the Invaders. Them boys is big playing, um, uh, playing the Canadians and all that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't know. So then I ended up going to a tryout in Lindenville for the Lindenville Tigers. Okay. It was me, it was me and my buddy uh, PJ. We ended up going there. And... They put me in a linebacker, mm-hmm. and I was doing good for him. And I was like, oh, okay, I can still play. Yeah. Uh, but then I ended up getting back home. Jeremy called me and said, oh, you need to come over. I got to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I went over to see Jeremy, and then he was like, oh, you got to look at this uh, newspaper clip. And it was um, a newspaper clip of the Lock- it was a Lockport team about to start. It was, right. it was called Lockport Rage. Yep. And, it was um, currently the uh, Lockport Rampage semi-pro football team. Correct. And... So then I seen the owner, and it was uh, um, Will Styles at the time, and his dad, Carl Styles. Mm-hmm. Then it was Isaiah Johnson, like, in the front page of the paper they were talking about. And I remember talking to Isaiah prior to me even going to Lindenville, because at the time, um, Isaiah was a running back for Lindenville. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you should come play for us. And I'm thinking, oh, you're going to Lockport. And I never knew that Will Styles had played for Lindenville either. Okay. So it was like a whole thing going on. So then... Darren came back from, at this time, he was just finishing college in Maine. Okay. He came back, and he was in the mix of the combine, mm-hmm. doing the combine and stuff. And he was like, hey, all y'all should go try out. I mean, y'all all can play. You see where I'm going right now, you all can play. So it was me, Cliff, Cliff McDowell, Jeremy Brown, Carlton Harris, which is PJ, and Jarrell Massey. We all went out there and tried it out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was cold. It was cold out there, so we did the 40 and everything. I mean, we all did fairly well. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I could play. So then at the time, I was like, okay, if I play football as my pro, mm-hmm. I'm only looking to play special teams because I got to get back into it because I don't know. I mean, I wasn't even, I think it was like 185 maybe at that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So my weight wasn't like respectable in the semi-pro world essentially for a position that I played. Right. And at that time I played, I was like a linebacker DN. Hybrid. And, right, hybrid. Rusher. So. You don't see a 185-pounder at 5'10 mm-hmm. playing those positions. Right. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm trying to play special teams, get my rep up. Mm-hmm. So the first year came out, and we're, we didn't, we were playing. We had our first game against Lindeville in um, Roy Hart. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start, but I did start on special teams. And it was like an eye-opener for me. Like, okay, I can play with these boys. I'm faster than a couple of them. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can play. Then I ended up getting an injury to my, my um, right hand. Where it took me out a couple games, mm-hmm. and then um, so I was able to analyze and see the game for what it was yeah. at that speed now because now I'm back into watching football. Mm-hmm. So then I was watching um the semi pro level at that time, and I was like, okay, I know what I got to do. Yeah, I know what I got to do. 
Um, then it came, I got back into it. I ended up playing with a brace on my hand. A couple games after that, the season was over. Mm-hmm. And immediately after that, I immediately attacked the weights again. Mm-hmm. Now I'm taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Now me, Jeremy, Cliff, we all got a plan. Okay, this is what we need to do. Right. We need to go recruit some more boys mm-hmm. and let's get let's get at it. Right. Um, and again, the Lockport team at the time, Lockport Rage, was just, they were recruiting as well. Mm-hmm. And the owners were like, they were really laid back, real mm-hmm. cool. They were like, hey, you guys get back. We're going to be starting up uh, workouts and all that stuff in January. We'll go into the Keenan Center and start doing some stuff. Yeah. So I had about maybe three, four months to get ready before January. Right. And I came back that following season at 205 now. Okay. And I was like stacked. Mm-hmm. So I came back at 205 and I was I felt like I was disrespected because I knew what I can bring mm-hmm. to the table even at one eighty five. Right. I knew what I had at that time, like I knew that I was probably better than half the people that were coming out there. But again, they were in semi pro for a while. Mm-hmm. And they earned their reps, so yeah. I had to outbeat them. So now my whole outlook going into camp was outwork everybody against me, mm-hmm. you know. And from the combine to the day we stepped on the field, I was trying to outwork everybody, even Jeremy and them. Like I was trying to outwork them, even in they were playing different positions. I still was trying to outwork them, mm-hmm. and it got to a point to where me, Darren, Cliff, and Jeremy, we would work out at the field. Mm-hmm. And then go to the gym, mm-hmm. and then go to practice. Wow. So it was like a constant work, like, and it was a lot was passed on from Darren being in the NFL and whatnot. He was like, "Hey, you guys got to stay on your grind. I mean, this is your home, you know, so y'all can get away with being relaxed and stuff. But at any moment, you guys can look like slouches, which is what we were basically looking like. Mm-hmm. So we took that into consideration again, like I said. And from the following year on, mm-hmm. I was always a double-digit sack guy leading the defense in sacks. Mm-hmm. Currently, I probably still lead the league in mm-hmm. sacks currently. Right. And I stopped playing for probably four years now. Mm-hmm. So, and then from there, 2011. In 2011, I had got injured in 2010. I uh, hurt my uh, my knee, my right knee. I had tore it in Ohio. We played the Ohio, um, the Cleveland Saints, I'm sorry, the Cleveland Saints we played in the playoff game. And I hurt my knee that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had tore my meniscus and damaged my patella tendon. So I ended up having to have surgery. And uh, so I had surgery the following year. And then I started coming back in rehab. So we had did um, a Thurman Thomas camp. We okay. were doing a Thurman Thomas camp mm-hmm. as a team to get back um, just to build us up. You know, a lot of I mean, obviously it wasn't the whole team. But you had, like, the core guys going, which was just make us stronger on and off the field. Yeah. So we were all over there working out. I remember I had a knee brace on, one of the NFL grade knee braces. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying to run run through all the um, obstacles they were putting up there for us. And I remember distinctly getting, like, very winded mm-hmm. and just, like, feeling like I'm not working hard enough. Yeah. Whereas the point where I had to stop and I had to go out. So I almost thought I was throwing up, like, mm-hmm. on a throw up. But yeah. it wasn't like a throw up, like I was just out work. It was like a throw up of disgust. Like, I'm disgusted on my performance. Yeah. Like, what's going on? And not to mention that my knee was a problem. Yeah. But I felt like I was using my knee injury as a like a crutch. Mm. So I remember taking the brace off, mm. and I went back into it. And I remember Cliff saying to me, "That's real for you to say that you you like sick because you're disgusted on your performance." Mm. And he was like, "From there, I felt like okay, now I got Cliff respect 
like now he realized like okay uh, injury ain't gonna hold Marcus back mm-hmm. so I remember taking a knee brace off and I remember going through the remainder of the obstacles at, at as but at what I felt was a hundred percent for me at mm-hmm. that time yeah. which was early I was coming back early anyways so I like I said I went through that and then um I have that season 2011 season leading up to I was having a great career mm-hmm. like great like top five in tackling uh, leading in sacks top three in um, force fumbles mm-hmm. and I remember me and Jeremy getting a con- uh, an agent John Evans at the time uh, and he was working with uh, Eurosports.com which was a website for um, upcoming players coaches scouts um, combines and all that stuff so you can go on there and you can see profiles of every team that's affiliated with them, mm-hmm. um, players, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And I remember he was telling us that we had to go to this like this like uh, this meeting, like this like players meeting. Yeah. So a players ball or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we went out there in Syracuse one weekend and um, they were showing us contracts and stuff on how what it would look like if we would get a contract offer from Europe or anywhere that offers football. Yeah. I was like, okay, and then they were going through the logistics and stuff. We are like, okay, cool. And I remember uh, this guy, and um, he played for uh, Finger Lakes Impact, and uh, he was a quarterback. He had got a call to go play quarterback in Germany, and he called me, and he was like, hey, yeah, I got a contract. He's like, I don't know how legit it is, but I got a contract. Right. So I said, like, okay. So we called John, our agent, was like, hey, what's going on with his contract? And why we don't have a contract? I mm. mean, you know, I mean, we all playing. We at that time we all played in the same league. Right. We're like, what's going on? And uh, he was just going and telling us, oh, well, they wanted a quarterback and didn't need a wide receiver or a defensive end or a linebacker, right. which is what I put in for myself. Um, we're like, okay, cool. And then I remember me and Jeremy started saying, okay, we're gonna shop ourselves. Yeah. We're gonna shop ourselves now because we don't know if he's shopping us to the extent that we would like to. Right. So I mean, every night. Me and Jeremy Ryan are just sending emails to everybody. I'm sending out my um my combine information, the bench and everything. And I remember the team uh from Mexico emailing me and saying they would like to sign me in Germany. I said, Okay. I said, I called Jeremy. I actually I called him and then I went and picked him up and I said, uh, okay, we gotta call this team in uh, Mexico. So then we tried to Skype them. We didn't get answers. So they emailed us back and said, okay, we're going to send you the contract. We're like, okay, send us the contract, but this is what it has to say in there for us to even come over there. Right. And um, so we're waiting on them to send the contract so then we can, like, send it to John so he can look at it and review it and let us know if it's legit or not. But the stipulation of the contract was we'll come down there. They'll pay for our room and board. Yep. Um, they will pay us uh, in American money $300 a game. And... Um, they would pay for like our all gym membership insurance and everything. Okay. So we're okay, not bad, you know. Playing in a, uh, in a paid league, you know, off the, the pro level. Well, okay. So then, then we started hearing about the cartel stuff going on down there. Oh, so then we're like, hold on, is this legit or is they trying to get us down there? You know. So we are kind of sketchy about. It. And again, they didn't send us the contract. So we didn't have nothing to review. We were just going off a of verbal agreement. Right. Okay, you send us this, we'll sign. Right. So then we got in touch with this team in Serbia, which was called the Royal Crowns, Krajevo Royal Crowns. And you think about Serbia, like Serbia, really football, yeah. American football at that? Right. I don't know about all that. So then they actually, they were like, they were seeking us. Mm-hmm. So they were just 
feeding us with emails and stuff. So then they were like, oh, we want to Skype you. Yeah. So I remember we were going to the gym. Me, it was me, Jeremy, and Jamal. And we were going to the gym, and we were in my truck. And they called us on Skype. And we actually were talking to them. And you can, they were talking in certain, like, English, but they had the Serbian accent. Yeah, so very, we like, knew, broken English. We knew that this wasn't, this wasn't, like, Americans playing around. This was somebody else. Right. So... They're like, yeah, we went through your highlight films and whatnot, and we really are interested in you. So we're like, same thing. Send us the contracts so we can get them reviewed. Yeah. Um, and this is what it has to say. So then they sent us contracts, and they were legit. We sent them to John. They were legit. Then we actually had a, uh, our buddy Grant Chelly review them, and they were legit. He said, these are legit contracts. So then we called them back. We're like, hey, they're legit. If that's what you guys want, we'll come out. Now, this team... Like, I was, me and Jeremy were talking. We said, okay, we both didn't play college football. Mm-hmm. Jeremy had an opportunity to play arena football, but he ended up hurting his knee again. And so we both didn't have no college football experience, only semi-pro. And Jeremy had high school level pro um, level as well. So then we were like, okay, we need to go to a team that we can build up. Right. So we can build our rep up. Right, right. Um, we were like, so they didn't win a team. They didn't win a game in two years. Two years they didn't win a game, and they dropped down a level, a skill okay. level. So, like, there's, like, Euro, like, there was uh, NFL Europe. So, there was, like, NFL 1, NFL 2. Mm-hmm. They were, like, NFL 3. Okay. So Such then, as, like, Division 3 compared to, right. you know, right. college football here. Right. Okay. So, we're, like, okay, we go to here, and all we got to do really is win one game, mm-hmm. and we're just better than what they were then. Right. That was our outlook. We, so, we got going there, win one game, because we're stepping into a, a field that we never even, we don't know about. Right. So, we're stepping into something that we don't know about, and you can only have... At the time, you can have three Americans on the field at the same time at one time. Okay. Three Americans. Mm-hmm. I, they call us imports. You can have three imports on the field at one time. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. So if we're going against an opposing imports, they only can have three. So we're like, all right. So we got to win one game. And March 2nd, 2011, the day that we had to get on a plane mm-hmm. to go down in Serbia. Okay. Uh, 16-hour flight. Brutal. For my first time fly, flying ever was going to Europe. Wow. That was my first time flying ever. <laughs> so talk about being scared. Yeah. That's being scared. So we ended up, I'm still like, again, we were getting on this plane. Mm-hmm. Me and Jeremy, city boys. And we're like, okay, we're going to Europe. I remember I was so nervous on the plane trying to get over there. Jeremy's sleeping. I'm trying to watch training day and stuff. That's not helping. <laughs> um, and then... We ended, I mean, you could see the plane flying just off the map. You could see it flying over the water and something. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Right. Still has hit me that we're going to Europe to play American football. Mm-hmm. So we ended up learn, landing in Germany. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I was like, okay, I need to go get some pasta or something. They didn't have no pasta at the airport. So I'm like, all right. So at the time, it was, we left at 9 in the morning from Buffalo. And we landed in Germany at like 8 in the morning. Okay. So I'm like, okay. Some daylight and I didn't sleep, so I'm like, okay, I can't sleep now. I'm so, I'm so, I'm like, so we still had to take another plane to go to Belgrade, which is the uh, capital of Cryo. So we're like, okay, so we went to Belgrade. I remember it looked like we landed in somebody's backyard when we got <laughs> when we were landing because I mean, the plane went down and went back up, then it went down again. And it looked like we were legit in somebody's backyard. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, but then when we turned over, you could see the airport, it was snowing, you could see the airport. We we're like, wow, all right. So then we get off. I remember, I remember 
the, the president of the team told me in Germany, when we get over there, we're going to be womanizers because the girls are going to love us. <laughs> we're like, all right, we ain't about that. We're here to play football. Yeah. So we got to the airport. I remember we, it was like nobody was in the airport. It seemed like everybody was gone, but we, there was like mad planes there. So we don't know where everybody was at. Mm-hmm. We didn't see them. We see these two ladies standing up on like, standing up on the rafters up higher, and they were like screaming and waving. And so we're like, yeah. oh, okay, how you doing? And they just kept screaming. Like, and just waving. So we were like, one, we couldn't understand because they were speaking in Serbian. Yeah. So we couldn't understand what they were saying, but they kept waving. So we were waving. And as we got downstairs, we still didn't see nobody, but we seen, like, the guards. Yeah. So when we retrieved our bags, the guards were, like, shaking our hands and stuff. So we were like, okay, where are everybody at? Like, right. we see the guards, we see the two girls. So then once we opened the doors, there was so many people. Yeah. There were so many people out there just with signs, just thrilled, thrilled, because... Then when we got to meet our coaches, when we met our coaches, they thought that we weren't coming until we walked through the door. Are you serious? They wow. thought they said we didn't think you guys were coming until we walked through that door. They did not think we were coming. And then, like I said, the airport was cleared. It was like we seen the two people, and we seen the guards. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. And then when we opened the doors to go to like the, the main foyer, there was mad people there just screaming. We were like, oh shoot, <laughs> like whoa, this is. This so is... then. We're like, okay, cool. Like, this is a welcome right here. Yeah. And they took our bags and stuff. And then we got in this little bitty car. Uh-huh. So now you got me, Jeremy, and three coaches in a car. This little car. And we still had to drive from Belgrade to Cryoville, which was two-hour drive. Okay. So in this little car. So that was cool. So we got to talk to them a little bit. And again, we didn't. I didn't sleep. Jeremy slept a little bit. They wanted us to go around and meet. The other coaches, a couple of the players, captains, and whatnot. We were yeah. like, okay. So then we pull up to um we pull up to like the inner city, the inner town of Cryovo. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember we got out the car and the lady who was taking a ticket for us to park, she said, Oh my god, my daughter's gonna love these guys. We we're like, What? Like like yeah, it's just us. Like yeah. what you gonna love about us? And we didn't understand what they were like trying to say. So then I remember we were walking to this coffee shop, and we were just walking, and you just see eyes looking at us. Just eyes looking at us. We were like, oh, okay. It's about to go down. Like, they, I don't know why they're looking at us, but yeah. they're staring at us pretty hard. So right. me and Jeremy looking at each other like, yo, you all right? We together. That's all I know. We right. together. So then we were walking. I remember this girl come walking out of the store, and, like, she, like, fainted. Like, oh, and fainted back into the door. Because, and we were like, yo, what is going on? Why did she do that? And then they told us. Because we're American, we're African Americans. Mm-hmm. Now they had Nigerians and stuff over there yeah. and all that, but they not, they don't have very seldom do they see an African American right. from New York. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like okay, some Cali guys, but this is from New York area mm-hmm. and an African American. Mm-hmm. So they seen that. So we walked into this coffee shop, and I mean it was like cigar smoke everywhere. As soon as we walk in, everybody started clapping and stuff, and we met the. Um, the vice president of the team. We met two captains, okay. and um, then they gave us some rakia, which is their moonshine over there. And now that's okay. like a, that's like a respect level. Like okay. if, if the father or like a company offer you rakia, yeah, they give you that's a form of respect. Okay. Like we're in America, we shake hands and yeah. whatnot. They give you rakia first, okay, and you you do jurily, which is cheers, mm-hmm. drink that, then you shake your hands. So okay. it's a respect level. That they respect who you are or what you're doing. Right, right, right. So we didn't understand that. Really, yo, they trying to get us drunk up here. <laughs> no, they was literally just introducing themselves to us, and that was cool right there. And 
So we met with a uh, couple of player captains and a, a head coach and uh, assistant coaches. And then our offensive coordinator actually played on the USA, the USA team over over in the States from Europe. So he was on the USA team as a tight end. Okay. So he had experience playing football over here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were meeting whenever he was trying to jot down uh, the playbook to us and stuff. We were like, oh, yeah, we'll get it. We'll understand it and stuff. And they were just trying to go through. They are trying to give us a basic overview yeah. in a quick sense of, okay, here's our cap. This is what we like to run. And then I remember the head coach asking me, he was like, hey, Marcus, are you in shape? I said, what you mean? Am I in shape? Now, like I said, I was hitting the gym pretty hard, me yeah. and Jeremy. So I was, like, physically strong. Like, yeah. I was strong as an ox. I was like, yeah, I'm in shape. He was saying, am I in shape to run? Right. And I was like, I ain't know what he meant until we had night practice. And he was like, okay, we're going to do 12 laps around this track. I said, 12 laps? I said, and then he put me with, like, the running backs and all that. Yeah. And I came over there as a defensive end linebacker. Right. And you got me running with the running backs? Yeah, which is different. Dude, that's different. a whole different level. Like, yeah. that's different. Yeah. Like, I'm like. Essentially, I'm a lineman. Right. I'm a defense alignment. Right. I should be running with the lineman. No, no, he would not. That was not his case. I had to run with the um, running back. <laughs> I made it three laps around and was dog tired. <laughs> dog tired. I was like, yo. He was like, Marcus, are you serious? I was like, coach, I'm tired. Yeah. Like, I'm not conditioned to run 12 laps, let alone three consecutive at a pace with the running back. Right, right. That's the thing. It was a pace. With them, like, right. and they were like a good pace. Oh yeah. So I'm not at, I'm not in shape for that. Yeah. Like I was like on the field, I could run sideline to sideline, no problem. Right. But you're having me run on the track at night <laughs> with a running back <laughs> at a at a faster pace. Right. So I mean, I understood what he was trying to do, but again, like I was like, man, you like this is crazy. Yeah. Um. This was not what I signed up no, for. No, no. I thought you was gonna have me. Th- Moving some bags and sled yeah. or something like that. That's that's what I was ready Working for. Working pass rush moves. Yeah, but no, he wanted me to be conditioned to, to have speed like that. And I, I didn't know what he was asking me to do because I felt like at my position, mm-hmm. I was dominant in the States. Right. Now I'm coming there to a team that didn't win games, so I was underestimating them basically. Yeah. To then win games, that I had to just go out there and show out to what I know how to do in the States. Mm-hmm. I remember our first game. And uh, our first game was against Soviet Bears. And, again, like I said, I was losing weight because we were running nonstop. It was 110 degrees out there. We were still running stairs and stuff. So I was losing weight tremendously. Is it the same uh, time of year? No. uh, Well, yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So when I said, like, we went there in March, it was snowing a little bit, still a little bit. But then it started to gradually get a little warmer and stuff before games started. So, we were practicing in rain, snow, then it got hot. We were practicing. So, it was like we had all everything, all everything, everything. We had it all. And, like, the big thing over there is, like, coffee shops. Yeah. So, everybody goes to coffee shops. Everybody eats soup. Everybody mm-hmm. eats bread and whatnot. And they don't have, like, grease, like in the States, where you have, like, a lot of grease. Like, a lot of fatty food. A lot of fat. Uh, everything's lean over there. Everything's mm-hmm. fresh. Mm-hmm. Everything's, like, I've seen them plucking chickens. Cutting chicken up, fry it, and with no grease, but they frying this chicken. Mm-hmm. So like it's everything's lean. Yeah. So that was that was like big difference to me. Mm-hmm. Snacks, 
aren't as accessible as they are here. Mm-hmm. Like they have snacks, but it's like a different snack. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Like their chocolate's pure. Right. Uh, Not a lot of process. Yes. Yes. Like it's a, it's real different. So you don't really want it that much because mm-hmm. you're so used to it. But like the basic fruit, like it's fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you're gonna eat anything like a lunch meal, everything's cut fresh. Mm-hmm. It's like a fresh slice. Um, like I, and so then we had um, we went to a wedding. Our first, we went to one of our teammates' weddings within like the first three days that we had got there. Yeah. And and I remember going to the wedding. They were like, "Oh, we were like, what kind of food y'all got here? Like, cause we they were like, we got goulash. Oh, okay, we thinking goulash, American goulash. Yeah. I remember we were sitting there at a wedding. Me and Jeremy, a whole bunch of Serbians, and they were just they had a big big thing. It's big over there. The wedding, like they just do it to the max. Mm-hmm. And they brought out these bowls. It was like meat and red, like red sauce and whatnot. And they were like, okay, there goes your goulash. I was looking, I said, that's not goulash. <laughs> I don't see no noodles, nothing. I was like, that's not goulash. Yes, that's goulash. I said, how? And surprisingly, that was one of the favorite foods for me to eat over there. It was oh, really? goulash. Okay. It was just, all it was was meat, like beef meat mm-hmm. and like a, like a pureed sauce. Okay. And that was their goulash. Okay. So it was, again, fresh meat mm-hmm. made with fresh tomatoes. Yeah. So you're eating it fresh. And it was like, it was probably one of the best things I've eaten over there. Wow. Like, that was my go-to. If somebody said goulash, I'm there. Mm. You know, and that was like crazy because that whole night we were just eating goulash. So we are just eating meat. Mm. The whole night, drinking rakia. This these guys just jumping around and dancing and stuff and these like conga lines and stuff. It was crazy, but it was so much fun because we got to see their side of how they celebrate a wedding. Yeah. And then we actually got to interact with players, coaches, and then their family. Okay. And the way they accepted us, and like I said, this was day three. Mm-hmm. The way they accepted us was like, wow, okay, so you're accepting us like this, and we didn't even touch the field. Essentially, all we were doing is running so far. Right. So then we had, I remember we had a team meeting. It was like a Friday night or something like that. We had a team meeting. And that's when we like actually introduced ourselves to like the whole team and then like the reporters and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember the coaches were talking and I remember sitting, I remember sitting next to um, Yanko, which was their big tackle. Okay. And uh, I remember he spoke, he was a team captain, he spoke. And then they asked Jeremy to speak. So Jeremy got up and started talking. So then they they got me, they asked me to get up and talk. And the only thing I could think of saying was about Yanko, like how big he was. Mm-hmm. And because he was their big guy. And mm-hmm. I was like, and like I said, I came over strong. So I said, I said, we need, I remember telling them, I said, we need to push each other in order to be great on the field. Right. I said, so you guys big Yanko right here? Mm-hmm. I said, me and him are going to collide back and forth on the field. To bring the best out of him and to bring the best out of me. And he started laughing. He was like, oh, I got a knee injury. I got a knee injury like because he didn't want to go against me because he seen my film. Right. And he knew I played defensive end. Right. He was a tackle. Right. So he's like, oh, I'm not trying to go against him. His motor's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I went, oh. So then, and I mean, he's strong as an ox. Yeah. Like, just, just, he's so long. He's, How tall was he? He's 6'8". Six, 6'8". Eight. Six, eight. Oh, he was just God. so long. Three, like, three plus. Three plus. Yeah. And he's like built like like a brick mm-hmm. like but he was just long like he's just so long with it and I remember going against him in practice and the first play we were indoors actually because mm-hmm. it started it was like raining really bad like mm-hmm. almost like unbearable bad so yeah. we were indoors like in a, a, a sports complex and but it wasn't like a turf field it was mm-hmm. like a 
almost like a like a handball court kind of. Oh, wow. so, okay. so we had to use sneakers. Yeah. So, but they opened the garage doors and the conversation got in there, so the floor was slippery a oh, little bit. Man. So I remember going up against them, and I wasn't going that hard because again we're indoors. Right. The floor was slippery. Right. I wasn't trying to tear nothing. No. I remember running, and I went up against them, and he like kind of pushed me in the back a little bit, and the running back actually gave me a pop like boo, mm. and I was like oh. We hitting. <laughs> we hitting now. So I said, okay. So I got back to the huddle. I remember in the next play, I did an inside out move, got in, and I laid the running back down. Like, yeah. boom, dropped him into, just dropped him. Then I remember Yanko got subbed out, and they had another um, another tackle show me his name was. And I had to go against him. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to put him down so they had to put Yanko back. Right. So I remember, I, I remember they called a play. I think it was base. So I know I have outside contain. Yeah. But I was like, I'm I'm losing outside contain right now. So I'm going straight through this, man. So I remember getting in my three-point stance, and I fired out off the ball so quick. Like, the coaches were looking on the outside. Yeah. They said, and, like, I remember seeing them jump around. Like, wow, did you see what he just did to show me? Like, yeah. I mean, show me he's a big dude. Right. I picked him up and dropped him. Uh-huh. Like, dropped him. And they were just like, on all like wow did you see what he just did right and so from there on they knew that i had that motor yeah but again like i said i'm not conditioned to be doing i wasn't conditioned to be running with running back right 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 so our first game against the soviet bears i remember and they had a uh they had an import on their team older guy but he was a uh, he was a, a middle linebacker and a wide receiver and we beat them 65 to zero wow we beat them 65-0 at home. And the crowd was crazy, crazy. And I remember that game, I was so tired. I was so tired because I played kickoff. I was on a punt team. I was on punt return. which I was on kick return. And I played fullback in offense. And I was so tired because we kept kicking off right. that I was almost like taking plays off. Yeah, yeah. And it was like it – as much as we won 65-0, like it showed that I wasn't conditioned because we could have won, we could have, they couldn't get a first down at all. Yeah. You know, so when we went to film the next day, it showed how how unconditioned I was. Yeah. You know, and from there on, I started thinking back in the states, like why would I go out on the field like that? Why would I put a product on the field and look like that when I know I'm better than that? Right. If the coach said I was not conditioned right, what am I going to do to get conditioned? Right. So I ended up taking, watching what I was eating over there, mm-hmm. running a little more. I actually went, I went over there at 235 pounds. Mm-hmm. I came home at 195 pounds lean. Wow. Because I just took what he said to me, mm-hmm. and I watched that film, mm-hmm. and I seen how lollygagging I was. Yeah, I was making plays, but I could have been, like, dominant. Right. You know, dominant. And I took that, and I just ran with it. Like, okay, I, that's a challenge now. Because mm-hmm. he told me that I was a slouch. In a different way, he told me that I need to consider that and, and fix it basically. And from that Soviet game on, we won every game besides the second one in playoffs. Oh. And so we actually, well, we had injuries. Jeremy had tore his ACL over there. Our starting quarterback, he tore his shoulder. Mm-hmm. He couldn't throw, which he still plays now in Germany. Strop, he still plays in Germany. Our starting tight end, 
he hurt his arm, so he couldn't throw. Mm-hmm. Our starting wide receiver got suspended. Our starting running back got suspended. Mm-hmm. So we had, we had, we were dealing with a lot of issues. So I, I, I actually was starting running back mm-hmm. and the starting linebacker. Mm-hmm. So I had to be conditioned to do it, and I was doing really well. It's yeah. just I remember that I felt like I wasn't doing enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like I felt like I wasn't doing enough, and then there was times that I was trying to do too much. Right. And where it was like, okay, why wouldn't I just cut up instead of trying to go outside and get that extra yeah. yard where I can get the higher yards because they couldn't take me down. Right. So I felt like I was I was helping, but I was not helping because I was doing too much. Right. Um, but like I said, we took them to the second round of playoffs. Mm-hmm. We lost in the second round of playoffs by a touchdown to um, Niche, and um, they act- we actually moved them from a C to a B now. Okay. Then they went up a division. They were in the B division. We're in the, and then we actually were able to watch like Ruben Drones, who, who won the Super Bowl for um, New York Giants. Yep. He was a head coach of Vukovi, who actually Vukovi played Belgrade in the championship game, okay. and they won. Okay. So we actually got to watch that game. We actually were friends with the Peyton brothers out of California who played for Belgrade. Okay. They um they played um they were twin brothers that they played uh, safety and wide receiver. So we seen them. We see um uh, his name was Christian. And uh, Mike out of Michigan, they played for Niche. Okay. Uh, so we we met them. We were cool with them. So we met a lot of imports from the states through through um, Europe. Yeah. And then we actually got to coach their um their junior team, their Cryoville okay. junior team, for a few weeks while we were still there. Okay. And it was at that moment that I knew that if I didn't want to play no more, yeah, that I can coach. Right. Because the the amount of respect and the attention that I had gained for the juniors, mm-hmm. it was tremendous. Like it was, they were like mimicking everything that I was doing, yeah. everything I was doing, everything I was saying. They were just mimicking it, yeah. and it was like, it was like rewarding to me yeah. to see that. Right. I mean, I was depressed, yes, because we lost. Right. You know, one of my best friends, I consider a brother. He had towards ACL, right. so I wanted to go home. I wanted to make sure he was all right. So I was like down and out. You know, I, and I missed home, so I was like, yo, I don't even want to be here. Right. But they're like, yo, just go out and coach the junior team yeah. while you're here and make the best of it. I was like, oh, I'll go out there. And I didn't want to go home then mm-hmm. because I was, I felt like I was being rewarded by the output of what these kids were doing. Yeah. So I ended up, we ended up coming home in um, August, August yeah. of that month. 2012, then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we ended up coming home and... I remember coming and we were in playing a game. We ended up playing in a semi-pro. I played the semi-pro game here. Jeremy could because he had his knee was messed up, but it ended up healing. But he still couldn't play. Right. Like he could still walk and everything on, but he just couldn't play. Yeah. So I ended up playing in a, in a game here in Buffalo. We played in Buffalo, and I played defensive end again at 195 pounds, lean. So I was like fast as lightning. I was already fast in general, right. but I just got that much faster. I wasn't carrying that much weight anymore. Right. And I remember playing. I remember I, I was chasing the quarterback, and I reached out with my left arm, and I went to make a tackle, and I fell to the ground. And I remember hearing a pop when I fell to the ground on my left shoulder. And I immediately grabbed it. And I was like, yo, something happened. But I kept playing. Right. I didn't think. Like, I just felt the pop thing, though. It just cracked because I, you know. Yeah. So then I ended up going home, and I was throughout the night. I was like, yo, this thing is throbbing. So then I tried to do a push-up. That's that's the typical thing that you would do is like, oh, try to lift yourself up. Yeah. I couldn't lift myself up at all. I'm like, something wrong. So now I went to a wall. I tried to push off a wall. 
I couldn't push off a wall. I just couldn't. I didn't have it in my left shoulder to give me the stability to push. Right. So I'm like, you know, I don't know what's wrong. So I ended up making a doctor's appointment with um, Dr. Day. And she did her MRI and all that stuff. And she said, Mark, you tore your labor. I'm like, oh, man. How bad is that? Can I, like, play football still? Well, you can still play, but you just don't, you're just going to continue to injure it. I was like, well, I know I still got a couple games left. So I ended up playing in a couple games when it messed up. Mm. So it just made it worse. So then I ended up scheduling surgery on the off season. And uh, so I ended up going through surgery. And that was probably the worst surgery I ever had in my life. Yeah. Labor and it was like, it was that was like, do I really want to keep playing football and keep mm. getting hurt? Right. You know what I mean? I mean, at that time I had a knee surgery through because of football, shoulder surgery because of football. And then I had messed my hand up because of football. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I had three injuries, still able to walk and stuff and like that. So I started seeing myself digress from football like mm-hmm. I wasn't I was a part of the team but I wasn't I wasn't committed right I wasn't going to practice every day mm-hmm. um, I told him I'll make maybe one or two practices a week right. and then the games probably yeah and then from that point on that it was acceptable for them they're like oh you're that guy so we'll accept that so right. that just made me feel like okay I don't need to be a practice you already granted me that I'm gonna play right I'm gonna start cause, right. you know so again I wasn't challenged I was rewarded because of what I've done in the past, mm-hmm. you know. So, but I had a contract to go back over to Europe to play. Okay. But I couldn't fulfill it because I had the surgery. So yeah. I had to take a year off in order to come back. Mm-hmm. So I was taking the year off. Then I had another kid at the time. So I said, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll show up to practice here and there. Yeah. And I'll play for you guys. So I ended up doing that for a year. And... It wasn't a successful season, mm. and I felt like I, I cheated a little bit because I wasn't committed. Was this 2014? Yes. And I felt like we ch- I cheated, so I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that no more. Mm. So I remember saying to my buddy Will Stiles, who was playing at the time as well, I'll play one more year fully if you play one more year fully. Mm. It'll be our last ride. We'll go out together. Yeah. And we were trying to convince Jeremy and Autumn to do the same. They were like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to keep playing. So that year, we ended up getting the band back together. We got Lamar Rim to come back at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Willie Ferris back with us at quarterback and receiver. Mm-hmm. We had a stout defense. Mm-hmm. Stout, like crazy. We were actually the number one defense in the league. And in the nation, we were the number one defense okay. for semi-pro. And we committed to fully playing. So I got back in the gym. Me and Cliff and all of us, we were like stout. We went undefeated. Mm-hmm. We won the NFA championship here on home turf. We won that. We actually hosted the playoff games. Came through us. Okay. We won them. Mm-hmm. Beat Syracuse and all. I mean, not Syracuse, but Rochester State. We beat them here. Then we had to host the championship game here. We fought, we played uh, Troy Fighting Irish. Okay. They were the number one scoring offense. We were the number two scoring offense. Okay. They were the number one scoring offense off of runs, and we were the number one defense. Mm-hmm. So it was their offense versus our defense. I remember it was a big write-up in the paper. And we were beating them 22 or 24 to 6 at halftime. Okay. I remember Will Stiles coming up to me saying, I got to say something to you. I said, don't say it. He's like, I'm not going to say it. I already knew what he wanted to say and I seen I mean, so many people out there. I remember I seen Miles out there. 
I seen so many people from work out there. It was just crazy. Like the whole city was out there supporting this championship game. Yeah. And like I said, we were winning, so the game was ours. Yeah. The game was. I remember going up to our offensive coordinator, and I said, "Score one more touchdown at their half, and the game's over." Right. Score one more, the game's over. They are running offense, so they're going to run the clock anyway. So right. all you got to do is score one touchdown. They're not going to score our defense. Right. They're not, obviously, you know. So they did three pass plays through the whole game, and they were all three touchdowns. Oh, jeez. They did three, and they were all three touchdowns for them. Um, so after halftime came, for whatever reason, we started throwing the ball. And we were throwing picks. Yeah. Picks. And they were returning them like within the red zone. Yeah. Or in the 40. Right. So then we stopped on a couple times. We're like, yo, stop throwing the ball. Yeah. Like, yo, I remember the quarterback was scrambling and I was running full speed, running after him. And I remember Willie and, and, and Cliff coming from the opposite side. I remember Cliff went out for a tackle and he, like, missed. Willie jumped to try to get out the way and need Cliff in the head. I made the tackle. Yeah. Cliff got knocked out. Oh, man. That's probably your. Right. You know, what crushed us. Yeah, one of your better defensive players. Crushed us. I mean, it took our scheme out the whole game now. Because yeah. you have to run a certain scheme in the offense they ran. Yeah. You have to run a certain scheme on defense in order to count for what they were doing on yeah. offense. So that took him out. And now, like I said, we studied that film for a week. Mm-hmm. Me, Cliff, Will, Jeremy, Terrence, we all studied that film prior to playing that game. Mm-hmm. Like, so we knew what they wanted to run. Yeah. We knew it. I mean, we watched as a team, but we actually sat down as players and took the ownership like, okay, we got a job to do. Yeah. What are you going to do? So Cliff got knocked out. Mm-hmm. So we helped him to side. I mean, he was completely out. Yeah. Done. So we had to bring in Norris, which was a great player too. Mm-hmm. Played the Iowa. Great player. But he just wasn't he just wasn't enough for the scheme. Like right. he just didn't study the scheme enough. Yeah. He knew how to play the game. He knew how to play the position. Right. He just didn't study the scheme enough. Right. Isaiah came in too, and he didn't study the scheme. Knew how to play, just didn't study the scheme. So they kept running opposite of me, mm. which put ownership on me. I should have been a smarter player and went opposite. I should have put Norris on the side with uh, Willie, mm. and I should have went on the side with Zay to compliment. So now it's 50-50. Yeah. Instead of being, okay, you can't run on this side, mm. you're going to keep picking away. So they kept running – they kept running a backside counter. Okay. But it was a double reverse backside counter. So they would pull the guards coming towards me. Yeah. I would stop. I would step up to take on the guards. Mm-hmm. Then they would hand it off and then hand it back off to the flowing um, up back. So it's a backside counter. Yeah. So you're basically essentially you have a center or a fullback coming back with a count with a counter running back. Yeah. And Zay was so he was Zay was like a a, a B line. Mm-hmm. He took a B line to the quarterback, mm-hmm. which is great. Because he had the ball at the time. Yeah, yeah. But you got to still slow it down. You got to peel it a little bit. And he would take on the quarterback. Then the backside counter would come. Leave Norris taking on a fullback and a running back. Mm-hmm. So Norris got caught with the fullback, which he's supposed to take on the fullback. Yeah. And your safeties are down the field now. Or man-to-man. Because mm-hmm. we blitzed a lot. So now you're man-to-man. So they would take off running 30, 40 yards down the field. That was hurting us. So yeah. they would score. They would, they would scored on us. And they actually ended up beating us. In the fourth quarter, there was four minutes left. They scored three unanswered touchdowns against us. Three unanswered with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's two. So we actually got the ball back. Yeah. We got the ball back, and Lamont was leading the drive. 
And I remember seeing players on our sideline that had taken their pads off, thinking the game was over, or just upset that they weren't involved in the game, right. being by picks, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing these players on the sideline. And I remember that last drive that Lamont was leading, I seen them same players with their pads on in the game. So, I've told you back in the day when I quit on trade them, right. how they basically said, okay, you're not going to be a part of this because you quit on the family. Right. They quit on the family, and now they're involved in the family. Right. Which was relying on them to make plays. Mm-hmm. I remember Lamont leading up, he got us all the way down to like the seven-yard line. Mm-hmm. And Lamont heard his like hip flexor, so he couldn't run like that. Okay. So he was relying on these same players that took their pads off. Mm-hmm. So for four plays straight, he was relying, throwing the ball to them, leading them, and they were just dropping the ball. And to me, I felt like that was karma because you took your pads off. Right. In return, why would he reward you a celebration or a championship when you quit on the family? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that right there took away my whole football career. Like, I mean, I, I, I appeared in a few games after that, like the big Syracuse games or a big Rochester game, maybe two years after that. But ever since then, my whole football career has been done playing-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even play flag football because it just isn't the same. Because yeah. I feel like I grew up and matured so much because I've been taught a lesson when I was so young. Right. You know what I mean? And now going into coaching from the junior team in Serbia to when I came back to the States playing, then I actually was a volunteer coach at New Fame with Chuck Nagel and them. Then I volunteered at Lockport for one season. Then I actually got brought on staff to work with Lockport for a season. And then I actually was offered a position to coach in Roy Hart for a few seasons, seasons on. Then I actually had opportunities to coach college football. Mm-hmm. And just the doors that have been open for me from playing to coaching is ridiculous. Right. Like just it's mind boggling because I didn't play college ball. Mm-hmm. I didn't play high school football. Right. I only played semi-pro, little loop, and pro overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then I only coached. I coached in uh, Newfane, mm-hmm. Lockport. I actually assisted coaching in uh, Wheatfield Little League. Okay. And then Roy Hart. And I had offers to coach at Mansfield University okay. as an offensive line coach. I had opportunities to go coach at Brockport as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Then I was a defensive coordinator in Roy Hart, head coach of Roy Hart. I was a special teams linebackers coach and D-line, O-line coach in Lockport. Mm-hmm. And I was a linebackers and defensive uh, assistant coach in Newfang. Mm-hmm. So just going through that in my portfolio is like, wow, you can do whatever you want as right. long as you do it the right way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I always would go back to that story when I told Trey, you know, that I wasn't going to run because that one person ran. And it was only 100 yards. <laughs> so for me to say I'm not going to run 100 yards cost me my high school career, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Cost me my high school career where the kids that I was naming earlier, actually, they played at the stadium. Oh, yeah. And um, they had that season. Yeah, in 2003. They, yeah, they played season. at that stadium. Yeah. You know, and that I could I should have been a part of that team. Right. I should have been the starting defensive end yeah. in that defense. Right. You know, but... Me, being selfish, I took that opportunity away from them, mm-hmm. which they had a great season. Like I said, they had a great season, mm-hmm. but I took that opportunity away from them mm-hmm. to have another brother on the field that they can trust 
because you played football, you know that if you trust a player on the field, you yeah. can do whatever you want on that field. Right. You know, with no regrets. Right. So I took that opportunity away from them uh-huh. because I did what I did when I was younger. But I still supported them. I still went and supported them through the game, but it wasn't the same. Right. It wasn't the same. Not taking nothing away from any other defensive ends that played in that game mm-hmm. or played that year. Mm-hmm. But again, I always had that motor or that model that I would outwork anybody. Right. So if I would have been on that field, I can only tell, I can only express how I would have appeared in there, and it would have been better than what I would have showcased when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know. So like I, they did that. And I still, like, today, as a coach today, I still tell my kids now that if you're not going to give it your all for them, yeah. then you're not going to give it all at all. Right. You know, because if you're not going to do it for people who you're playing next to, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to do it moving on. Yeah. So don't think about playing at a next level. Mm-hmm. Don't think about playing in a future program mm-hmm. because you just aren't going to do your best for yourself or them. Mm-hmm. Because... You see them every day. Mm-hmm. You got to go to school with them, you know? And if you can't look them in the eye and say, hey, I got your back, then why are you even on the field? Right. What are you on the field for? What are you really on the field for? Mm-hmm. And if you're that good to make it on the field where a coach will put you on the field, right. then there's something in you that he sees. Yeah. You know? And I tell them all the time, if you want to be on the field, hire workers will get on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just going to get a pity be on the field, you know? Hire workers get on the field. Special players make it to the next level. Right. You know, special players make it to the next level. And do I see us having special players? Absolutely. They can play some college football. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whether they want to or not, mm-hmm. they can play. Right. But it starts with their heart, and it starts with their dedication to their brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if you can't look next to the guy and say, hey, listen, I got your backside help, mm-hmm. don't get on the field. Right. You know, so I'm very, I'm very blessed to be where I'm at today. I'm very blessed to have the opportunities that I had, being opportunities to coach college, um, all the programs that I've assisted with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't ask for nothing more, you know. Right. And I don't see myself stepping away from coaching football anytime soon. Uh, right. I got a young boy, three years old now, mm-hmm. that I see nothing but good things for him, right. God willing, you know. And if I have anything to say with it, I'm going to be in that corner being a coach, dang, I'm dang sure going to be a support parent. Yeah. So, like I said, he's going to have that instilled in him that once you say you can't do it or you won't do it, right. don't step on the field. For sure. Don't step on the field because it's going to come back to bite you at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to come back. So you just, if you get on that field or leave it there. Mm-hmm. Leave it all there, you know. So, I can't complain at all from where I'm at for sure at well, all that's cool you know and um you know I mean just to be able to say you <laughs> you've gotten to this level even with you know some of the places that you didn't go you right. know I mean for me it's easy to say you know I've been able to been, be a part of the things I have because I played high school ball because right. I played college ball right. and, you know what I mean things like that but you had to go to, down a much different path mm-hmm. you know what I mean um yep. so that, I think that's the coolest thing so in terms of just, you know, from what you took from your experience over there in Serbia, just everything that's come along your path, what would you say um, is the one thing you really try to share with the kids, too, in terms of just, um, you know, 
just in terms of getting them, getting them to 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 buy into you know every day because football is a process. It really is a it process is. of every single day. You have to you know wake up and know you got to do a job, whether that's in the weight room, whether that's studying film, right. whether that's you know your diet, like you right, said right, too. Right. So I I try to tell them to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, always be a kid. You know, and just take away take away it it being a job mm-hmm. or a task. Mm-hmm. You know, like some kids play football because their parents force them to play mm-hmm. or their friends are, are, are telling them, oh, you got to play football and all that. Take that away. Get that. Once you clear that out your mind mm-hmm. that it's not a task or it's not a job and all that and it becomes just a hobby mm-hmm. or, or something that you use to channel something, yeah, it becomes fun. Right. You know, it becomes fun. And I, was, I actually told my kids today at practice, well, we're giving you a scheme to run. Just run the scheme that you're asked to do for your role, mm-hmm. and then let your natural fun come out of it. Yeah. Let your natural ability come out. If you can have fun playing football, yeah. Where you can start joking and stuff, and mm-hmm. just challenging your buddies out there. Hey, you won't get to the quarterback before me. I remember I was playing Richard Posey, and me and he used to always tell each other, "I'm gonna get to the quarterback before you." Right. And it was fun to us it was a game like yeah. these boys are these grown men mm-hmm. are across us they're like oh these guys are talking about who can get to corporate i'm gonna block him but literally they know they're not gonna block us because you're not gonna outwork both of us because yeah. we're trying to outwork each other right, right so have fun like if you can just pick up and show up every day mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to have fun you're naturally going to have fun right. and you're going with people who you know mm-hmm. you know what i mean versus if you're just saying oh i gotta go to work you know, nobody wants to go to work. You right. know, I mean, how many people are that fortunate to have a job that they actually love, right. except for being football? Right. You know, a lot of people who are at the next level love their job. Yeah. Their job is to play something that they love to do yeah. growing up. Yeah. So, once you be, once you are able to develop that, it's a, a love for you, a passion. It's not a job. Right. It's not a task no more. Mm-hmm. Now it's just you're just going out and having backyard pickup football. Right. But now you're getting paid to play with your friends mm-hmm. you know so the thing is just always 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 have fun you know because when I was overseas with Jeremy I have fun playing with him you know me and him challenge each other we challenge our teammates mm-hmm. hey we're going to do this this is how we're going to get it done mm-hmm. and we did it and when we did it and we see results it's fun now right now it's fun you know so always have fun and you'll be you'll get it done you know for sure all right so you know, talking a little bit about the team that you have this year, let's go a little bit backwards. Um, you know, last year, tough season last year, you know. Um, but, you know, I feel like from the, if you're not necessarily in the situation, you may not necessarily realize the type of challenges that you had to face, right. you know, last year. Um, you know, for, for about a six- or seven-year span, Roy Hart and Barker were combined um, as a football program. And last year was the first year. Um, that you guys weren't a combined program since 2010. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just talk a little bit about that, you know, what you learned in your first year, um, some of the experience you had, just because, I mean, you know, not you guys were already a small school, right. small football program to begin with in terms of numbers, but, you know, you take away a, a, a school from a combined program and that just dwindles things that much more. Um, <clears throat> well, last year, coming into the season, Everything changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was involved in the breakup of Barker, obviously, mm-hmm. being negotiations with the uh, AD, asking my opinion on it. 
Uh, and then coming in as essentially the new head coach. Yeah. You know, I was the previous year, I was a defense coordinator, so I was coming in with an already established coaching standpoint mm-hmm. that they had Bill Bruning, then they had um, Don Baker as head coach. Mm-hmm. So he brought me in as defense coordinator, so now you're asking me to come in and be the new head coach, mm-hmm. and you're asking me my input on a breakup with Barker. Mm-hmm. Now, selfishly, I didn't want to break up with Barker because yeah. I... I molded some of those kids to yeah. positions they never even played before mm-hmm. you know and but as a business I understood why he wanted to break up with mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. I understood why I, I mean I obviously had to support it because it was a business again yeah. it was a business so I understood why if you could, could exp- explain a little bit so for people that don't realize well okay so essentially we had a JV and varsity program mm-hmm. Um, the year that I came in... So 2017. Yes. The year I came in as a defensive coordinator, we had, on varsity, we had three kids. On JV, we had four kids okay. to the program. From Barker? From Barker. Okay. Um, primarily linebackers and uh, linemen. Okay. Um, every practice, a coach from Roy Hart would have to go to Barker mm-hmm. and pick the kids up and take them on a bus to Roy Hart, practice, and then go back to Roy Hart, okay. I mean, back to Barker. Okay. And then for games, the same format. Go pick the kids up, bring them to the game, take the game back. So that was kind of, that was kind of bearing on some coaches, yeah. you know, having to go out there and get these kids and whatnot. And again, some kids didn't come. Mm-hmm. Some kids would quit mm-hmm. or just be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so they would be suspended or whatnot, or they couldn't practice, and we wouldn't know that going out and getting them. Right, because it's not like you talking exactly. to their administration during exactly. the day. Exactly, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, or we'll get there, and we'll, we can come to practice, mm-hmm. but we can't practice. So we're coming out here grabbing you. Right. We can't practice because of what? They give us a sheet. This is why they can't practice, which is that's an agreement they had within their school. Yeah. So we understood that. So that was kind of bearing on a, a couple coaches and mm-hmm. whatnot, and ADs. Yeah. Um, so the decision to split with them was like, okay, we're losing three varsity players because they're graduating, and we're gaining two from JV. And seeing on how many people sign up from Barker to Roy Hart would decide the factor of whether we keep them or we don't keep them. Yeah. So I think the year that I was taking over as head coach, I think we had maybe four commit that they would play. And they were knuckleheads. Um, and... <laughs> The AD was like, hey, do we really want to go through this again? Do we really want to have get a bus to go out there every day and whatnot? And again, like I said, selfishly, there was a couple guys that I wanted on the team because yeah. I molded them to be who they were at that point in time. And But as a business, I understood the, the issues that it could raise going further. Um, so it was deciding that, okay, we won't pair with them. We'll go and be just the Rams now. We'll have Rams. Um, and that decision crushed some players over in, in Barker, which is it, it really would. I mean, they have no football now. Right. Now you're taking the football program completely away. Yeah. I mean, yes, they only had maybe four or five guys, but now the football program's done. Mm. So now that leaves a bad taste in Barker's mouth mm. and the kids that actually wanted to play with the Barker guys and from where Yeah. So now they're like, oh, now they're up in shambles. Oh, we don't have these players. We don't have that player. So coming in as a head coach, new head coach, I was I – was, with a lot of tasks. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, I think, 
returning seniors. I think I had maybe six. Okay. Um, and two of them, three of them were linemen. Okay. Uh, quarterback. And uh, that was it. That was it. I lost a lot of seniors that following year. So that was new. Then we had a couple guys that we brought up from JV. Uh, so it was like everything was new. New terminology for them. Uh, just a whole new system, new coaching aspect. I mean, since they're walking in, they would see Baker. And they're like, I mean, he's a he's like a, a father figure to a lot of those kids. You can yeah. coach them so many levels. And now you're getting a new coach, new identity, and stuff like that. So now it's like the AD, me and the coaching staff working together to try to get these kids to hone in and do this. And now we lost Barker. Yeah. So, like I said, so there usually you have to have 16 kids dressed in mm -hmm. order to play a Section 6 game. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have 16 dressed at the time mm -hmm. because we lost to four. Yeah. Right? I lost six starters. Mm -hmm. So now I have what I'm coming into the season with. So I had to move two guys up from JV, and we ended we ended up having like 19 kids. Then a couple of them quit, a couple studs quit. So then we ended up having 16 kids on the team, which was just enough to play, just enough to play. Um, I had very few, very few starters at the time, so it was like just okay. What do I do now? I can't break. I can't shake because they see it. the head coach doing that. Then who are they playing for? Yeah. Or what are they even playing for? You right. know. So I gotta continue to always keep them at an upbeat. Like, okay, we're gonna make the best of what we have. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not out of any game unless we want to be out of it. Yeah. And so I had to continue to always fight that that um, that raft that we left with Barker. Mm -hmm. And everybody, oh, you shouldn't have left with Barker. You shouldn't have left with Barker and whatnot. And. In my mind, yes, I, I understand why, because we would have numbers. Right, right. Okay? But is that the logical thing to do? Mm -hmm. Is it fair Is it fair to the four kids or the five kids to have to be bust to Roy Hart? Why couldn't they practice in their own field? Right. Okay? Why Why isn't Barker doing enough to recruit to make us team? Mm -hmm. You know? Is, is it that bad out there? Right. There's so many things that could be asked on so many different levels by so many different people that... A lot of people wouldn't understand, you know. And now they're paired with uh, Medina now, and they have two kids for Barker. Okay. Two kids, one for varsity, one for JV. Okay. Right now, so that could be because of the distance as well. But again, I'm glad the football program's still alive in there. Yeah, yeah. But they have to do something to get it back. Mm. I mean, because Barker used to be a powerhouse out there. Yeah. Used to be. Yeah. So how did you go from? A 25-man roster to a two-man roster now. Yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. Um, this year now, then this year was another another task going into the season. We were going to go, instead of having JV, we were modified. Okay. So then we'll essentially have more numbers on varsity, and we can move the Loyals program to playing JV now. So on paper, we had 22 kids sign up for modified football. Uh, August 19th was our official day that we had started um, our Section 6 practice. I had eight kids report for modified. Eight. So the AD was going into a panic 
I said, hey, get the list. Call these 22 kids, see where they're at. Yeah. You know, besides the eight that were already reported. Yeah, so the 14 that were... Right. Yeah. Call them, see what... Are they interested? What are their intentions? A couple of them said, well, we're thinking about we're on the fence. A couple of them said, well, we're going to go back and play in Loyal. We don't want to play JV at 7th grade. Yeah. You know, which is understandable. Yeah, I understand understandable. Yeah. So, needless to say, I had... So that first practice, I had eight people report to me for modifying. So I, at that practice, I expressed to them... They have to pass an APP test to play varsity if we don't have a modified program. So I had, immediately I had three people quit. Three three modified kids quit, which I already knew was going to come. They didn't want to play with the big boys, so I didn't fault them. They went on their road. Their parents expressed their um, decisions and concerns to me, and I told my support, let me know whatever they need. I, I got their back. Um, I had three kids that actually came up to me and said, Coach, we want the challenge. We're going to play varsity football. Okay, so you were mentioning there was three kids that needed to pass the APP yes, test. I, I, yeah, I expressed to all the kids, I gave them all the option, that if they pass the APP test, they'll move up and play varsity football. Mm -hmm. uh, today, currently, I still have those three kids. Okay. They passed the test. Uh, they're actually doing very well in camp. Mm -hmm. We had two scrimmages so far. Mm -hmm. what we had actually last Saturday we had a full scrimmage. Yeah. Where uh, we had a joint practice that Thursday, which was the 29th of August. We had that a joint practice with Lockport, mm -hmm. and that was very well. That was I seen a lot from those three kids as well as the team that we brought out there. Mm -hmm. I seen a lot from them. You know, I seen a lot of uh, heart, which I've been emphasizing for camp this year is heart. Bring the heart, you know, and then the results will happen. Mm -hmm. um, then this Saturday, we actually went up against a couple of division opponents, and we've seen some B-level um, schools that we went up against, and we competed. Mm -hmm. We competed. Uh, like I said, I have a great relationship with New Fame. Uh, Wilson, I, I actually know the coach there as well. Medina, Eric Valley, I speak with him very seldom. So everybody's very respectful with each other, mm -hmm. and they also like challenge each other. Yeah. And the the at first we started out a little shaky. We started out with Medina. Uh, we started on defense with Medina's offense. We started out a little shaky, like if we weren't ready yet. Mm -hmm. Um. And I pulled these guys to the side in between the plate, and I I just I didn't yell, so I'm not a yeller, but I I. I firmly spoke to them in the sense of pick your big brother up, mm -hmm. you know, pick your big brother. And a lot of people will say, why would you say big brother instead of little brother? Because if you pick your big brother up, the little brother has a little brother syndrome, mm -hmm. you know, and essentially we're going against Medina now. They're 10 minutes away from us. Yeah. Pick your big brother up, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. So we have a couple, a couple players who played for Barker. Mm -hmm. Playing for Medina, mm -hmm. one of our one of our cornerbacks who started for us last year, mm -hmm. Caleb, was playing for Medina. Mm -hmm. He's a senior now, so he's a big brother to a lot of these guys. Mm -hmm. Pick your big brother up. Show him that you're not going to be pushed down. Right. And we gave it back to him. Mm -hmm. We gave it back to him. So that right there, just picked them up. Like okay, then we went on offense. We were a little shaky on offense, you know, with new pieces coming in there. Like I said, I had this, uh, one of the eighth graders move up, mm -hmm. playing on the line. He was 
holding his own, you know, so it was new to him. Yeah. I mean, but he's going against somebody who's going full-blown. He don't care what grade he's in, how old he is, where he should be playing. Right. You know, so he was, like I said, holding his own. Um, a lot of the kids are coming from JV mm-hmm. up to varsity, so everybody's getting filled in there. And it was huge. Then we went against um, Chuck Nagel's offense, um, a new thing. And like I said, I used to coach with Chuck. Mm-hmm. So I know he knows I'm going to bring it to him, and he's going to bring it to me. And the trenches, we were just getting at him. Mm-hmm. We were getting at him that he couldn't do nothing with us. Mm-hmm. He actually got on his guys like, are you going to block somebody? Is anybody going to communicate here? Right. And it was just that it was at that moment that the team that I had put out there for defense understood, wow, wow. I actually had my Mike Backer, who was the first underneath me, mm-hmm. First time me coaching him underneath me, I seen him on JV, but my first time working with him, yeah. he walked up to me and said, Coach, that defense that you just put out there mm-hmm. with that cause and all that mm-hmm. worked every time. Mm-hmm. And he, was t- he was actually telling me what I'm supposed to be telling him. Like, right. okay, if you see this, you move. he was telling me that. He was diagnosing. Exactly. Yeah. And he never did that. And mm-hmm. JV, like he said, oh, we had this in JV because obviously JV essentially would run the varsity program. Yeah. He said, we had it, but we never ran it. Yeah. And then when we did run it, we didn't run it the way that you're asking us to run it. Mm-hmm. So he, like you said, was diagnosing the play, mm-hmm. seeing what cracks he had to get through, yeah. and he was having fun doing it. That's the thing. He was actually having fun. Newbank couldn't move the ball mm-hmm. at all, and I love Chuck, but he couldn't move the ball at all. And the kids, like, it picked their spirits up. So yeah. then the remainder of that scrimmage, it was fire. It was just a fire. Like, they just got a light underneath them. Okay, this is what we need to do. And they were having fun. And then today at practice, like I was telling them, it's great. Great that you guys had all that. And you got that out of your system. But now you got to lock in. Because mm-hmm. now it counts. Yeah. The win-loss column counts now. Right, exactly. You know? So all those little mistakes that we had at the scrimmage where we were jumping off sides, mm-hmm. holding, yep. not moving our feet, yep. iron tackling, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, those stuff costs. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It was that that emphasis was more today. Like, let's let's try to be sound. Let's try to be stout. Let's limit our penalties. Limit our not using our fundamentals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that and still play with our heart, mm-hmm. we may shock Wilson on Friday night. Mm-hmm. We may shock Wilson on Friday. Now they got some stouts over there. They got mm-hmm. some stouts over there. And I believe we got some stouts. Mm-hmm. We're not talked like that. We're not talked about. But. I believe we may shock Wilson if they come in underestimating us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're just not going to lay down. That's right. for sure. Right. We're definitely not going to lay down. I hope my boys have fun doing the execution that we were asking them to do. For sure. Yeah, and just, you know, one thing, one last thing I wanted to ask you basically is, you know, I'm sure some teams, they see which, the record you guys had last year and assume like, oh, you know, hey, we, we could roll this team, this, this, and that. But, you know, in terms of just the difference from last year to this year, you know, what what do you think is really going to be the key component to you guys really showing that you know you aren't the same team from last year? We can't come out flat no more. Mm-hmm. We used to come out flat every game. Mm-hmm. Every game we came out flat, and it it, it killed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would be down in the first half. There was one time we weren't down in um, last season. It was against Akron. We were winning 6-0 going into halftime. Mm-hmm. But every game, we were down 20 points going into halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, and we came out flat every mm-hmm. time. Uh, at halftime, every time at halftime, I would tell them, 
this is what happens when you don't do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You know, and then every time in the second half, we will get we will get the best out of everybody in the second half. Mm-hmm. Everybody will get the best of. And it's all because we came out flat. Mm-hmm. We all we came out whether it be coaching or just overall execution and not being not not correcting it right away. Mm-hmm. We always came out flat. Mm-hmm. Like just lollygagging or just not taking it that much to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I tell them this year, I've been telling them, come out hot, finish hot. Mm-hmm. There's no flat. Right. That's not an option. It's not an option. Mm-hmm. Um, we may let off the gas, but it's not an option to not be coming out hot. Right. So I plan on coming out burning, mm-hmm. burning, um, start to finish. You mm-hmm. know, um, Even with their backups, the seconds and the threes, they already know my model. Yeah. Hot. Hot, do it fast, mm-hmm. you know. So if we can do that, like I said, that's the difference between last year's team and this year's team. We actually got kids that want to be hot. Mm-hmm. We got kids that are saying, "Hey, let's go," you know. So we had one or two last year. Mm-hmm. We probably got I got a twenty-seven man roster right now. We probably got twenty of them that saying. Mm-hmm. So if you don't hear hot, somebody just ain't playing, right? You know. So. The difference is we're a different team. We're hot. We're, we're you know, we're underdog. Mm-hmm. But it's always good to be an underdog because now you got something to prove to yourself. Right. It's not to them, it's to yourself. Right. That's what an underdog really is, yourself. For so sure. we're ready to go. We're sure. ready to go. Yeah, for sure, man. And you know, I I just think like you said, you know, with being the underdog role, you know, you could either shy away from it or you could really embrace it. Yeah. And take it and run with it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because, you know, it it isn't necessarily easy to, to try to uplift a program. Right. You know, especially from where things were at. I mean, you guys were basically stripped down. Yeah. So, to the bare bones. So, you know, to, to be able to, you know, have the kids um, believing in something like that yeah. is really, you know, important. Because they have to believe in something bigger than themselves to accomplish something that's exactly. bigger than themselves, you know. Exactly. So, all right, Marcus, I really want to thank you for... Um, you know, coming on the show, you know, for me, like I said again, it's one of the coolest moments right. I could ever have doing, um, you know, this job. And you know, I just, like I said, I, I just hope that you, know, you guys are able to get things going. And um, you know, I'm just wishing you guys the best of luck, good health this season. That. And you know, I'll be watching. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be we watching, appreciate so. it, man. We appreciate everything, everything you've been doing for the program. You know, just having you out there, just the kids seeing, even when you were at the Lockport practice joint. And it's very seldom speaking to the kids, pick them up. Mm-hmm. Let them know this guy's big. And if he played here and he played at a different level, mm-hmm. he must know what he's talking about. Just, I didn't have to say nothing, mm-hmm. you know. If the proof is in the pudding, you're standing right in front of their face, you mm-hmm. know. So that was huge for them to see that. To see that you came from that program they're actually going against, mm-hmm. nothing but respect for you, you know. And that's it's an honor to even be considered your cousin. I mean, knowing that I am, but just being considered and having to be affiliated with it. It's just an honor, you know. It's huge. Much appreciated, man. Yeah. Seriously. Um, but again, uh, like I said, just wish you guys the best of luck. And, hey, you know, like I said, I'll be watching. So um, for Marcus and myself, this is Kyrie Demos, and we're signing off from the GNN Sports Podcast. Uh, take care. Yep.